0: Cruisers. Welcome back to your favorite and the definitive technology channel out there, cruising on the cutting edge. My name is Wellington Froelich, your faithful driver, leading the convoy from city to city, state to state, college to college, looking for the best stories out there to entertain our minds and get them thinking about the future. So ladies and gentle cruisers, last week we stopped off in Arkansas where we took a look at the exciting world of CRISPR. How they were testing out a new delivery method of the gene editing tool to help treat specifically Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This week, folks, we are off to the wintry scenes of New Hampshire to discuss a new manufacturing method for solar cells. But first, we must cover some announcements before we get going. This week has been an interesting one for the show. I put my uh, my first ad out there uh, for cruising on cutting on the cutting edge uh, on Tuesday. Um, via Spotify and I'm really excited about it because it has apparently reached almost 2,000 people on the platform um, let me know if you heard about the show through that I'd love to know what you thought of that uh, the email is cruisin.g a G with wellington at gmail.com so you know or reach out to me through reddit or at r cruisin or the instagram page for the show again folks that your people know what kind of strange and amazing things you hear about on the show. Do your duty and spread the word about all of these technologies. Ask another person this week if they have ever heard of CRISPR, uh, for example. And don't forget to tell them about cruising on the cutting edge. We are growing and the convoy always has room. Check out uh, my YouTube video channel. That is One video on it right now with more to come. Also subscribe and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor so you know when I upload a new episode. And as always, comment or shoot me a message because feedback is fuel. So folks, it is time to strap into our red, red 1963 Mercury Comet as we head on up to the little cold town of Hanover, New Hampshire. There's this university there that some of you may know called Dartmouth. I must say, all of the places, of all of the places in the United States, New England has the strangest ways of pronouncing names. Dartmouth should be Dartmouth, and Worcester should be Worcester. I mean, even the Eskimo names in Alaska are more straightforward than those. (laughs) As we put on... um, as we have put on by that uh, sign uh, for Dartmouth, we come across the halls of freezing engineering students, all too cold to let go of their coffee. Thus, we're able to convince one of them with a cup of joe to let us into their lab, which is led by Professor William Scheidler of the Electrical Engineering Department. In, September 20, in a September 2021 20, paper uh, by Julia Huddy, Yu Ye. And Professor Scheidler titled, Eliminating the Perovskite Solar Cell Manufacturing Bottleneck via High-Speed Flexography. The researchers develop a new method for uh, making these up-and-coming solar cells uh, made of uh, perovskites. So, cruisers, first we will dart our way down theory lane, then hop on over to hardware and testing square, and then we will... Now, uh, <laughs> that we um, must get back onto the on ramp to the future uh, where we will discuss other possibilities of this manufacturing technology. First things first, how do solar cells work? Well, we know from previous papers and previous technologies that we've covered that things that create electricity usually involve some kind of circuit from which electrons can flow through. Uh, recall the one uh, metal eating buffet robot that we um, saw pulled electrons out of thin air and then sent them through the metal that it was resting on and took those electrons and created a current. So anyway, that's why in solar cells, there are two layers, a negative one and a positive one. In typical solar cells these days, each layer is made of purified sand or silicon. uh, And to make them negative or positive, we infuse, or what they call dope, these silicon crystals with other elements, such as phosphorus, which has more electrons on the outer shell than it really wants, and a boron, which is fewer than phosphorus, which would create the positive side. Light hits these electrons, giving them energy to leave their parent atom and to travel through a loop to the other side where there are holes in the boron and, um, and then fill them up there. This causes a current in a circuit. So now the current created by the silicon solar cells is not as efficient as we would like. So folks have been studying perovskites, another rock crystalline structure found in the layer of the earth below the crust called the mantle. They work uh, in a similar way. And from what I was able to glean, they only require one layer of perovskite versus two layers of doped silicon. You can dope the perovskites with other elements uh, which become contained inside the frame of the little crystalline structure. And um, somehow I think that prevents them or uh, allows them to have only one layer. So now these have a few advantages and disadvantages compared to silicon panels. First, these cells are extremely thin. So they're cheaper and quicker to manufacture. They also are easier to transport compared to traditional panels because they can be packaged in rolls since they are flexible films. They have the potential to almost uh, also most importantly improve the efficiency of the energy produced because they are activated by more types of light, more parts of the spectrum of light. Remember, there's a scale of light, including microwave, radio, ultraviolet, visible infrared and more. It's like the spectrum of light. The electrons in silicon cells only react to the energy produced by visible light. Perovskites activate in more than just visible, they also dip into the energy imparted by UV and infrared uh, light. The sun produces all of these bands, so this makes perovskites more efficient. The paper says. They have the potential to deliver terawatt scale power, which I might add would be a great strategy for a solar ring, say around the moon for a potential lunar particle collider, which we've talked about previously. The main disadvantages of perovskites include some toxicity because they contain traces of lead and they do not uh, last as long as uh, silicon cells yet. Now though, let's get into the method they used to make these guys and why it's the best around. The key buzz phrase that pops up everywhere in this paper is high-speed flexography. Using this widely used method from the printing and graphic design industries, they were able to achieve high-quality, high-speed uh, production and in, uh, inexpensive solar cells. The way flexography works is through a series of rollers. The first roller has tiny little wells that dip into the ink, which gets sponged up by another roller, which uh, has a design of your uh, favorite classic cruiser or whatever have you, um, printed on it in the form of these little raised nubs. So these nubs dip into the little cells that contain the um, ink, which was just previously picked up on the other roll. So um, imagine this printing press. It's really what they do at printing presses, but I'm just getting into the nitpicky details because I thought it was interesting. So these little raised nubs on your printer, um, your desired printing pattern, um, absorb the ink in the in the previous roller. Lastly, this smushes this uh, plate that has your design on Smushes the ink. These nubs uh, smushes the smush the ink into a material on either a flat surface, if it is rigid, or another roller if the material you're printing onto is flexible. This is called uh, your substrate, and in many current industries, you know, that's either plastic or paper, um, depending, like on a, in a a printing press for a newspaper, or plastic bags for groceries. The process is fairly simple and easy to set up, requiring little investment overhead, which is one of the main benefits and why they pursued this um, technology. So cruisers, now that we have an idea of what they theorized would make a great manufacturing method for solar cells, let's pop on down hardware and testing square. Flexography, they determined, made sense to use for solar cells only at high speeds, about 200 feet per minute. That's pretty fast. Um, because that way the, the rollers wouldn't smear, uh, smear or, or tear or fold the ultra-thin films they are depositing. Other methods for printing perovskites include slot dye coating and spray pyrolysis, but these encounter physical issues like the ones I just mentioned. So in this paper, the ink the researchers use is a nickel oxide, which then transfers to either a glass sheet or a silicon wafer. What they are actually doing, it seems to me, is printing a layer that the perovskites will crystallize onto later in a separate process, um, which they defined as spin coating, where the whole sheet or film or whatever you have um, in which you're depositing the perovskites spins up and they form um, in, uh, into crystals. But this thin layer of nickel oxide is called a whole transport layer, and it is important to get very thin to optimize how much light reaches through it to the perovskite layer, which then sends electrons back through it and out to create a current. There are some videos out there of perovskites crystallizing on um, such films like we're talking about here very rapidly, and they're very mesmerizing. I, I recommend them. I'll Try to include them in um, my post later on. So <clears throat> they tested their cells later after having formed these perovskites on the very thin nickel oxide sheets and encased in, in glass, and found that they had an efficiency about equivalent to the standard solar cell. And uh, to be honest, I think that's where we are currently with uh, perovskites. There are some cases of like some companies, some firms reaching twenty like t- almost twice as um, efficient uh, as um, as our current sol- silicon solar cells, but those are still in process. So while is it about the while these were about the same in efficiency, the big factor is that the researchers at Dartmouth made them cheaper and at the fastest recorded time at two hundred feet per minute with great quality, which if I must say, is quite a flex. Now cruisers, it's time to find a way back onto the on to the future before they get sick of us poking our noses in places they shouldn't be. How can you imagine flexography being used in your practical life? Near term or far, far off when we're all gene edited and flying our cruisers from college town to college town I imagine this has some practical implications, uh, for medicine. Actually, there are many ways to make pills. I've seen the, I've, I've seen the, um, manufacturing devices. They're pretty interesting, but, uh, imagine eating your post-op pain medication, horse pill in the form of a fruit roll-up that has to be far more enjoyable. I also see it now, um, graffiti artists pulling up with their flexographers to a bare wall and churning out more designs quicker and covering entire streets at 200 feet per minute. I I don't know. I suppose that's not a real application of flexography, but uh, I also imagine wearables like your Apple watch or just your regular watch um, could use this technology. The wristbands, particularly in the future, um, could incorporate perovskite crystals printed through flexographers that could uh, auto power your uh, watches and your wearables and your glow-in-the-dark necklace if you really want Uh, or (laughs) something like that sounds your speakers inside of your 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 earrings i don't know i think that would be especially neat since there are also companies out there today like the polish company Sole, who is making a clear solar cell to be used in building glass And, you know, hopefully eventually that becomes flexible in the future. So I can keep my watch, which if some people know is clear, clear. (laughs) I like, I like uh, this style. Anyway, you can kind of see into the gadget and all the, you can even hear it here, but all of the, uh, you know, gears and such, it's fascinating. Um, One other radical thought I had. With regards to flexography was a skin deposition. So the idea is that this technology, flexography, helps deposit really thin films accurately. If you miniaturize it, say to a handheld device, or at least something that shape shifted or to your face, or to the general standard face size. I don't know if that exists. Um you could use a sort of stem cell ink to deposit onto skin to rejuvenate it, perhaps. There seems to be sort of endless possibilities about, with this, you know, all sorts of thin film depositing um, methods for very accurate, um, very precise, no ribbing or tearing or smearing that seems very um, applicable to future applications. <laughs> anyway, let me know what you think at with wellington at gmail.com. Uh, Again, that's cruising without a G with Wellington and gmail.com. One thing I did want to mention about this paper is that there were several acronyms not explained to the reader, like PCE and NIOX. I feel like a good paper will defend, uh, define, and defend all of them in the text. And on rare occasion, at least in the aerospace industry, they do this. Uh, They have a table of acronyms at the top that will make it easier for folks to digest, including those in the field. Uh, I know it's nitpicky, but... It is a pet peeve of mine, so if any researchers are out there, listen to my pain. (laughs) Thanks again, cruisers, for tuning in. Take a moment this week to ask a friend, family member, or coworker, or even a hobo that they know about perovskite cells, flexography, and solar power in general. Maybe they are listening to some good uh, podcasts out there as well. You can have a fun conversation about that. I think everyone ought to listen to at least one tech show, uh, one history show, one money show, and one politics or current events show, and one crime show or whatever you want to have for fun. That way, you know your mind is stimulated by many topics, and the more you can think about how we can apply these technologies to the world today. Please share the show with family and your friends and let me know what you think. I am patiently waiting for people's opinions so we can continue with our mail truck. It's been a while. So send me stuff, folks. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you back in the leather bucket seats next week. My song recommendation for this week's show is called Texas Moon by Quangbin and Leon Bridges. If you can't find it by Quangbin, look up Leon Bridges.